Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I am Heidi Bennett, and you can find me at HeidiBennett.com. Hello, and I'm Molly Balin of the website LittleRedMark.com. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's friday yay <laughs> and in today's friday episode we're covering minute 30 of the movie the cabin in the woods and in this minute the scooby gang is down in the cellar starting to do a deeper check-in about all the funny creepy weird items that are in the cellar so as we have mentioned in previous minutes, these items are directly connected to the ritual of bringing and, you know, granted that's going to happen a little farther down the road, but these items are directly connected to the ritual to bring monsters to their plane of existence. So although these, a lot of these items may not seem inherently threatening, they are connected to something that is rather ugly, violent, and not of this world, old school nightmarish stuff so um, we start this minute where the guys have all come downstairs and they're starting to really like look at all the different items around we start with Jules who are like hey look at this and so um, Jules has gravitated towards a bridal gown and a necklace and then Marty has lodged a complaint here and so he had lodged a complaint earlier of Mm-hmm. And now he's, uh, guys, I'm not sure it's awesome to be down here. Um, guys, so he's kind of, he's not really being forceful about getting him back upstairs quite yet, but this is that second round. Um, he kind of mentioned it being weird with the cellar door snapping open earlier, but now he's actually down there and he's like, <laughs> he's just not feeling it. It's not feeling super comfy. The gut's saying there's something wrong. So <laughs> that doesn't deter anybody, obviously. Yeah. And, and what I'm liking is that with just our, our little bits of light that we're getting from above. <laughs> so you know, it appears that they've left the lights on in the uh, in the cabin upstairs. So we get a little bit of that ambient light coming down in these interesting lines. And like I said, it's almost womb-like and extra creepy because it looks like somebody's covered the ceiling in, in some sort of netting. And uh, then we're seeing just how much stuff there is down here. It looks like like a fortune teller game. And then obviously we're going to look a little bit more closely at the bride, but that's a direct reference to one of the creatures is a, you know, a spooky bride. Mm -hmm. And then there's just as the lantern is going through, as Marty's walking that lantern around, you're just seeing just so many bumps and bits and bobs of things that you can't quite tell what they are. Yeah, what else did you observe here just kind of as as the gang is looking around? Anything in particular stand out to you? Um, I think this goes back to, you know, I look at the cinematography. And so one of the things that uh, I noticed is there are a few 
distance shots. So when Kurt's walking through, there's um, Kurt and Marty are walking through. There's this slightly wider shot. So you get a, a little bit of a sense of like how large the cellar is because it's slightly farther back. So there's a, what's interesting to me is that there isn't a whole lot of first person perspective in this. It's a, so even though they're investigating, it's a lot of third person shooting. So when you see, uh, and it again, it happens a little bit later on, but you know, the perspective of Dana picking up the diary and she's like, some of the stuff is really old. And so there's this kind of old school vanity with that mm -hmm. kind of cracked modeled mirror. And then there's a shot that's low, like table level shooting up at Kurt is Kurt's observing the different items on the table. The shot you were talking about, you were referencing with Holden looking at the carnival stuff, the fortune teller, like looks like the, I don't know if you saw the movie big, but it's, sure. yeah, it's like the, <laughs> the, I think the Zoltar machine where he's checking yeah. that out. And those are, those are a little, they're giving a lot of breathing room. It's not the exploration of these items are not deep and intricate. What, what I find to be interesting is they're not taking a ton of time up with really, they're more interested in shooting wise, cinematography wise, a slightly distanced perspective of these guys checking out all the items. So the importance is not so much in what the item looks like or what it is in and of itself. It's more about them observing and them curious about the items being down there. Yeah. And it, it, you're right. And it's also, it's different than the kind of views that we've been getting the camera angles where it appears that they're being watched. I don't really get the idea that they're being watched no. in this, these moments, but yeah, it's not like we're getting their POV either. So yeah, I think that's interesting. Well, I was just going to mention about the fortune teller is that after Holden walks or moves away, like at first he puts his flashlight on it. Mm -hmm. And then when he moves away, the globe in it is still lit up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't really notice that before. And so <laughs> what's going on there? <laughs> right. It just, because there's no electricity down there, hence the necessity for flashlights. So why is the Zoltron globe all like, yeah, that, you know, that's funny. Cause like, I noticed that and I, I didn't. I didn't have until you mentioned this now and I'm looking at it. I saw it and thought it was weird, but I didn't really think it through that that shouldn't be lit up, really. That shouldn't be plugged in. Right. Yeah. And then there's some other stuff Holden looks at. I can't quite tell what it is because we know later on there's going to be a conch shell that's that's pretty obviously a reference to our merman. Merman! But there's, <laughs> but there's also like some stuff that I'd almost say looks like seaweed that he's looking at over here that kind of catches the light or I'm not sure what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it could almost be like horse hair that's, that was, you know, stuffed into an old piece of furniture, but it looks sort of seaweedish to yeah, me. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what that was because it had kind of a straw look to me, like hay bale-ish sort of. Mm -hmm thing i don't know is that for the unicorn maybe 
Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's, like, that's, hey, anything goes down here. Yeah, there's some, you know, bizarre. I know it's kind of a recent thing, but I, I really dig people who try and replicate old medicine bottles, you know, like for, you know, for art for necklaces or whatnot, like they buy old, like sure, old, sure. like glass bottles and then do some cool hand lettering graphic design thing. And it's funny because, you know, like the laudanum, like old school, it's 1875. And, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. hook the lady friend up with some laudanum and she's going to be like, oh, I... some deadwood. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Like, I can't come out. I have a migraine. Come and get me my laudanum. <laughs> it's a weird thing to think that that's creepy, but it's, it was just medicine from back in the day. But now it's like, oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. But I love that people, because it's so gothic to me. There's this lovely Halloween-y gothy art. And I feel like there's a couple of those bottles sitting around here too that... You know, it's like it's old school arsenic or something. Like somebody's got a... Right. Um, what do they call it? What do they call the old school pharmacies? Chemist? Apothecary. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. I should know that. Apothecary. Yeah. Old school, cool little colored bottles and yeah. Stuff that you might find in a curio cabinet mm-hmm. too. Yes. Especially. Yeah. And my, uh, what I went to this really cool estate sale once and found a couple of bottles like that and they don't they don't have labels on them but they have an indentation where a label would be mm-hmm. and they have a, a certain heaviness to the to the glass and then there were a bunch of them available but i chose specifically three of them that were slightly different you know shapes and sizes because i thought they'd kind of look cool together and then brian ended up filling up one of them that had like a larger opening at the top he put some beach glass in oh, it cool and it looked pretty neat and uh then he he collected so much beach glass that he ended up buying a larger container <laughs> but yeah those are really neat they they feel like something i could do something cool with you know like maybe put sand in them and put some sort of little diorama in them or something you know or some old photos or so they're just yeah they're just neat old bottles so I definitely I get why people would be into kind of replicating that or turning something a small version of that into a a cool little necklace mm-hmm. uh, dangle a little beda- bedazzle bedangle. I like the bedazzle bedangles. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also have the uh, ball of puzzle pain here too. So yeah, as we move into the second half of this minute, <laughs> that's very chock full. Are you hearing yeah. the? it's kind of endearing (laughs) yeah usually when this happens actually there there was a a horn on a car that was fairly regular like (laughs) or it was a higher pitch and brian would go like Hey Herbie, shut up out there because <laughs> it sounded like Herbie the Love Bug, like meh, totally, meh, you know, like a nemic horn. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Anyways, okay, let me get back into this. It sounds like they've stopped. So, ball of puzzle pain. Yeah. So at the second half of this chock full minute, we're starting to see some of these sort of hero items. We're getting a closer shot of the the bridal gown with the necklace. We're getting the the puzzle of pain that was, 
you know, handmade meticulously specifically for this, you know, this movie. And and then we get the the awesome big conch. Kurt's checking it out. It looks like he's about to blow on it. There's all sorts of cool, fun stuff happening this minute. We get a glimpse of that puzzle box when Kurt's kind of walking past it. And then he grabs the shell. Mm -hmm. And then we see Dana looking at what you said, this sort of vanity with an older perfume bottle. And it looks like she's making her way to uh, sort of this movie's version of the Necronomicon, which is this diary. Jules is going for the perhaps this necklace. There's a lot of stuff shoved in here. And then, yeah, then we get this. Kurt seems to be distracted, like he was going <laughs> to put his mouth on that that conch shell and then all of a sudden that puzzle box catches his eye mm-hmm. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like how they frame that up where he passes by and you see it just kind of in the lower corner and then he goes to pick up the conch shell and he's kind of messing around with that and then the camera drops back and then that's the the puzzle the puzzle sphere is in full view. And I was kind of curious, did you did you check out the Hellraiser series? Were you like a fan of Pinhead? You know, that's a great question. I always was a fan of, of knowing it existed. <laughs> like <laughs> for the longest time, just, you know, I knew the images of it. I knew about it, but I hadn't seen any of the films. And uh, but I always just thought that was a great image, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think a lot of people that were especially into back back before they said use the word goth, it was more uh, people would say like a death rocker or, you know, kind of somebody into dark and creepy things or sort of bondagey kind of stuff. Like I knew that that people that were more into that stuff really, you know, had an affinity for those films. And, and I definitely knew that it had a certain, you know, kind of creepy, sexy, you know, pleasure, pain sort of a thing. So I appreciated the aesthetic of it. And then only recently saw the first one and I thought it was good but i i think it's the second one that more people kind of talk about or is pinhead and the other characters pardon my ignorance i don't know the series that well is the second one sort of the one people more often reference or I think what's your relationship i think to you're it? right i think that hellraiser 2 is kind of like terminator 2 where that's the yeah people tend to gravitate towards that one i think it's a little newer well it'd be obviously a little newer I, I think I'm like you. I really just, I, I dug the concept of Pinhead, you know, as a character. You know, a Hell Lord is amazing. You're like, yay, you're, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> just the concept of a Hell Lord. It's like, yay, you know, you rule down here and you've got an awesome outfit and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I'm just. Yeah, I'm just a sarcastic chick, and so I always think about, like, wanting to put food on the pins. like a, Oh, yeah. You know, if I had, like, a Halloween party, I'd want to have, like, a mannequin, like, pinhead where, you know, I would, like, stick, like, cheese and meats, like, on the pins, and you could just pull them off, and then eventually you would have, like, a pinhead underneath, and you'd be like, hey, pinhead! <laughs> the meat and cheese off eventually. I think the puzzle sphere... And Fornicus are the most direct horror references that we have here to an existing franchise. 
Yeah, I would agree. As soon as I saw that sphere, I was like, oh, yeah, Pinhead, you know, definitely. And and it kind of helped, too, that, like I said, I didn't really have a huge knowledge of the films themselves. But my we have one of the versions of that, the box, the Pinhead box here at our house. Like, Brian had one of those already. So when I looked at <laughs> this, I was like, oh, yeah, we have something kind of like that here. <laughs> it came with the hobby. We also, we, <laughs> we also have a very elaborate Borg mug. So, you know, he collects some pretty interesting pop culture nerd stuff. So that's really it funny. Came with, you came with the hubby. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know the Borg and Pinhead look a lot alike. Yeah, they do have a lot of. Yeah, you're right. Now I feel like I'm gonna have to find a Borg picture and a Pinhead picture and put them up side by side. So it's kind of like the Borg are Pinhead in space. <laughs> <laughs> Pinhead in space. space. <laughs> 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 so yeah i just was curious about um your 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 feels around that those are my feels cool so aside from puzzle ball of pain we also have the bride and i wasn't as familiar with like a horror bride character other than woman in black which i think actually came out after this movie but i was curious are you familiar with like a horror bride Monster. Well, that's a good question. So last minute, I referenced that video that, that that's on YouTube. That's every reference in The Cabin in the Woods. And I believe in that film, he makes a reference to a movie. And I don't, it's not one I'd seen before. And it might even be called just The Bride, you know. So it wasn't a specific trope that I was very familiar with. But it makes sense that there would be a, you know, a gory bride out there. And of course, there's Bride of Frankenstein, which is a little different. Yeah. But it's certainly a spooky movie bride. And um, I actually have a friend who, uh, for my one of my brother's Halloween parties, she dressed up. I remember she dressed up as a really, like a bloody, bloody bride. Mm. And it was just a cool looking costume because it was, you know, all in white and then a lot of a lot of gore and stuff so it just looked neat but yeah i don't have a nothing comes to mind off the top of my head yeah i mean i know there's a i mean who knows but there is a story about and you know mythology around a bride not making the actual wedding you know and mm. something untoward mm -hmm. happening i just couldn't think of something cinematic that had come out recently that was more directly referenced to that. So I'll have to check out that video. Yeah. Check out that video. And then sure, if anybody else listening is like, duh, what about this movie, this movie or this movie? You know, let us know. I'm like, oh, we're here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> we're fans. We're not experts. We're here to, to learn along with you. So if there's something that pops up for you, please, please share. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, when you're sitting here just kind of talking off cuff, you don't necessarily remember every single thing you've ever seen or been exposed to right. while you're recording the podcast so yeah the other thing i was going to mention too is just when kurt moves his interest from the shell over to the puzzle the the pain puzzle that the pain puzzle gets its own little 
sting. It kind of gets a little mood change music wise. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And that also is a, a prompt for Marty to say, uh, maybe we should go back upstairs. I dare you all to go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> he's like letting it be known that he's not into this, but kind of doing it in a sort of meek way, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, at least. Like he's saying things, he's kind of looking around and like assessing. He's he's standing now next to the stairs again. So he's he could get back up there pretty quickly. But we're getting this this feel that everybody's getting a little bit mesmerized except for marty Mm -hmm. at this point yes at this point that's gonna change in future times but yeah he is um he is resistant to going whole hog and checking stuff out and so i'm just kind of curious what do you think would be his reason to not check stuff out at this point i think intuition you know he already thinks thought it was didn't really make sense that that door slammed open. The cellar door just went kablam and opened. He already thought, like, wind? Really? How? You know, what kind of sense does that make? So, and I think he probably just looks around and sees this as a bunch of stuff. Like you said, not necessarily creepy items, you know, a book, a dress, uh, you know, but all together in the dark, I still think it's would seem creepy. So I think he's just using his, his gut instinct here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder if some of this is also that this shit doesn't belong to them, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if you've like house sat before, but if you house sit for people, usually, you know, it's respectful to not go through their shit. So, <laughs> you know, when you come in, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, really, if something's closed off, I'm not going to bother to go check that thing out because it's closed off. So even though there's a, a an invitation, this uh, cellar door opening up for an invitation, there's a bunch of stuff here that doesn't belong to them. So, you know, I wonder if also some of that is the, the invest. Yeah, it's the gut, it's the intuition, but also that it's a bunch of stuff that isn't, isn't theirs you know yeah yeah that could definitely be it even kurt at at a certain point in this minute says like dude seriously your cousin is into some weird shit so you know maybe he's (laughs) thinking like for some reason kurt's cousin has a bunch of this stuff even though kurt's like uh maybe it was the people who put you know put that mirror thing up but yeah you're right it could definitely be like this isn't ours we don't belong in the basement we came to you know have a nice weekend at a cabin, not not get all up into somebody's stuff. So mm-hmm. for sure, that could be it. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to mention that the last little thing we get here is Holden is um, opening up that little jewelry box with the ballerina in it. And that that um, most people are, will already know this, but just to connect the dots in case you don't, that that's a reference to a wonderful character <laughs> that's, I think, one of the, the most awesome characters that they that they have here that will be revealed in uh, later minutes, and that is the Sugar Plum Fairy. 
And uh, yeah, I, so I just wanted to mention that here, that he, he opens that little jewelry box. And I don't think I ever had one of these as a child, but I do remember kind of being charmed by them mm-hmm. as a kid. And then later on, finding ones at thrift stores where in, invariably you open it and the little girl is broken off or, or her head is broken off or it's kind of bent and, you know, the music kind of creepily plays partially or something. So I think there's there is something a little can be something a little creepy about the the ballerina in the in the jewelry box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we've heard that busted ass music box in <laughs> enough <laughs> uh, horror movies and horror TV show moments that you know we have that as a role. You know, I think anything skewed from childhood gives a a real you know horror fearful sensibility you know kind of like the dolls that this is supposed to be about freshness and innocence and joy and now it's dirty and marred and frightening so there's that extra that extra level of of scary to that i was going to mention i almost forgot to mention this in my research um, i came across an individual who had done a beautiful job of painting their nails in items from the cellar so oh wow yeah so there was a conch the bride necklace the patient's diary and the puzzle ball of pain so uh it it was from www.procrastinatingpolisher.com <laughs> nice name <laughs> that's what i thought but i was just like damn woman did a very decent job and i thought that was such a, a an interesting and obscure reference to to show up on nails um so I, yeah. I would mention it since that is prescient in the minute so definitely that's cool yeah well should we um stroll on over to our uh, recommendations or friday recommendations yes so cool. uh what you got <laughs> well i've got something to follow up on and actually has a little connection to what we were just talking about so i i, I mentioned a few minutes back that our uh, Instagram account, Cabin Minute Ca- at Cabin Minute Cast on Instagram, that we follow a couple of cosplayers, and uh, there's this woman who does a really great job at playing uh, cosplaying this particular character, the Sugar Plum Fairy, uh, not the one we're seeing here that looks quite sweet, <laughs> but the <laughs> one that's revealed as the the creepy monster. So. I just wanted to shout that out. And if you enjoy following and checking out people that do great jobs at, at a cosplay, she is on here as uh, her name is Allie, A-L-L-I-E, but she's on here as Don't Touch My Milk. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Touch My Milk um, on Instagram. And yeah, she's um cosplayer since 2008. And she has some really neat things besides the Sugar Plum Fairy. She's got a lot of cool stuff. And it's fun to see a lot of horror and then some other non-horror stuff. And, uh, you know, she takes photos of some of her buddies, too. And, you know, being at cosplay events and and some behind the scenes stuff when she's working on costumes. I always appreciate when people are showing, uh, you know, process stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's somebody to to check out. So that's my recommendation for today. I love the cosplay community, you know, for, a, I mean, for the reason that you stated, I mean, not only 
do I find it to be incredibly creative in, in people taking and, and a lot of times, especially for like animation where there's, there's no three dimensional equivalent that they can go ahead and get pictures and pull from, but to fabricate costumes in the way a lot of these people do is just endlessly entertaining and fascinating. And a lot of them are really awesome. Like you're saying in terms of posting process, so you can see, you know, their um, trial and error and what they choose for materials. And I've, gosh, I've, I've built armor at home based upon tutorials I've found online. And I've just been so enormously grateful to people that they're willing to share what it is they do and how they do it. Cause I think dress up is just like one of the most like delightful things you can possibly do in life. I think it's just amazing. And I'm just so like tickled that these people are gracious enough to share it with us, you know? Agreed. <laughs> um, so my Friday recommendation is a movie and it is 2016's Nocturnal Animals by Tom Ford. So I am a big fashion fan and Tom Ford is rather legendary as a designer and he had a foray into directing and he just fucking killed it. <laughs> he did an amazing, amazing job. Um, so it's Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> and I'm just thinking back to, to Rick and his pronunciation of Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> from, uh, from the previous minute but the styling is beautiful the cinematography is beautiful it's kind of a novel within a story and i love anything fashion related that's high bourgeois art and um what it is to be a creative and the creative struggle and and that's all of it is in this movie and i really I put off seeing it because it came out and it had really excellent reviews. And I was like, oh, I really want to go see that in the theater. And then I was really afraid to because I was afraid that I'd sit down and, and it wouldn't be good. I, I just had this like strong fear. And I finally just pulled the trigger this week and said, you know, I'm just going to sit down. I'm just going to watch this. And I was really pleasantly surprised about how how excellent it really was. And the ending is going to be controversial and if you go online after you watch it and you feel a little betrayed, just start reading some articles and you'll feel a little better. But um, it's it's really an excellent little flick. So there. Cool. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, well, it's definitely got a lot of people in it I like. So that always helps, too. And just the images from it look really intriguing. So I'm always up for an adventure like that. Um, yeah, and then just to, to backtrack a little bit, I don't think it really matters all that much. But actually, I said that the last little moment here was Holden looking at the jewelry box. But we actually do get, right as he's doing that, we get a, a quick little look at Marty turning to maybe be a little interested in the film reels. And then Dana picks up the diary and then the minute is done so just to be a bit of a completist on the minute i wanted to mention that mm, cool but yeah cool well i'm ready to rock and roll on out of here <laughs> <How about you? laughs> yes yes another another week in the can and we're to minute 30 this is this yes. is the yeah, we're we've we're ending act one so that's that's a big big hurdle and on to Onto darker, bloodier things. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. 
so yeah, let's let's wrap this puppy up and uh, on to a wonderful weekend. And so you can find us at cabinminutecast.com and hang out with us if you want to talk about all the crazy stuff that's that's here in the cellar or the upcoming reveal of all the interesting creatures that we're going to be meeting fairly soon then join us in our facebook facebook group which is gabin in the woods with cabin minute cast and there'll be a question that you need to answer just to join the group. And the question I believe I wrote was, you know, tell tell us the name of one of the, the hosts. So you have to at least know that that there's a Heidi or a Molly <laughs> to be able to get into that group. And uh, once you do that, then just come in and, and, and join us for fun. It's all, all for um, just joy and exploration and having a good time getting into this bloody goodness yes so come on back next week uh we're going to crack open the diary there's going to be some latin it's going to get crunk so (laughs) (laughs) uh thank you guys again for tuning into episode 30 and we will see you back at the cabin